We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. I'm Dan Hilton, for those new to the pod, and I'm joined across the ocean by Frances Tomas, as seen on ESPN, and BarcaBlog.com. You can check out all the links and fancy stuff we have on that website that I usually have, also links to the podcast. But more importantly, if you want the most important links to the podcast, you can just check the show notes on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening to it. All the links you need for the show are in the show notes. Frances, usually I ask you what we're talking about today, but I don't care what we're talking about today. I first want to give you congratulations on being a dad for the second time. Thank you, man. Um, it's been a difficult week, but obviously a week that we've ended on a high. Uh, we've got two beautiful daughters at home. Uh, my two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old is running around crazy, giving you know little one lots of kisses. And uh, mom and baby are doing very well. So um, thank you for your wishes. Lots of people have contacted me on social media as well um, to say congratulations. And um, if you head over to our Twitter, that's at the Barcelona pod. Uh, that's at the Barcelona pod. I'll test, um, I'll test the waters and I'll publish a picture of my girl, my older girl, who's um, taking over the Barcelona podcast social media. So um, just head over to Twitter or our Facebook page at barcelonablog.com. And, um, yeah, you get to see that. Well, Frances, I'm not going to anoint them as future Barca Femini players just yet. Of course, they've got a lot of footballing from dad to learn. But uh, you've done your part to at least help the Barcelona community and fan community grow. And another way to do that is with our Patreons, of course. And, Frances, I think we have a new Patreon, too. We do, we do. We want to start the episode by thanking our latest patron, who is Prudvi Muva. And uh, obviously all our fantastic patrons who we don't mention every week, uh, but you know, you're always at the back of our minds and without you and your support, this show wouldn't be possible. Now, if you're enjoying the show, you've been listening to us for a little while or just new to us and you really enjoy it, then for as little as $3, which is pretty much nothing, you can support the show and um, enable us to, to bring you the show um, on a weekly basis. Um, that's tbpod.link forward slash Patreon. That is tvpod.link forward slash Patreon. And uh, we will be forever grateful if you can share some of your hard-earned cash with us, which is pretty much nothing, but um, every little helps. And um, we will really, really be very grateful for that. So, in the Barcelona podcast 47, we're going to start with La Pregunta. And uh, there's been lots of rumors going around this, so we're going to sort it out once and for all. Is Should Barcelona sign Antoine Griezmann in January? Then we're going to move forward to La Tabla where Dan's going to give us loads of results and stats, and we're going to talk about the situation in different competitions. We're then moving on to La Bolsa. There are several players trading up, and there's one particular guy that keeps trading down consistently, and we're going to try and talk about that. Then I am honored to say that um, I was joined by Mohamed Butt from Squawker, and he's now a freelancer. So, you know, if you've got a company out there, that is the guy you need to sign because he's outstanding. So Mohamed basically joined me for a conversation, for a little interview, and he was talking about all the hottest stories uh, that we're going to cover in the podcast. So definitely, definitely listen up for that. It's coming up in part four of our show. And then to finish up, as always, a quick fire La Ronda questions from our listeners. The Barcelona Podcast 47 starts right here. And it starts as you had foreshadowed with La Gran Pagunta or the key question, 
Antoine Griezmann, Atletico Madrid forward, the Frenchman, who so far this season, while out of the current run of form, just pretty much as bad as Luis Suarez, where he's currently scoreless in his last seven club matches, only two assists coming in that stretch. He's got three total goals for Atletico Madrid this season and four for France in that same time. He has three yellow cards, one red card, but I'm not too surprised by that, Frances, with the effort required from Diego Simeone. Pretty much every Atletico Madrid player picks up a yellow every other match, and there's some red cards sprinkled along the way, just with, again, those matches wind up being intense because of the defensive effort put in by Atletico Madrid. Griezmann, how we got here, let's break that down real quick. How we got here with Griezmann and those who've been listening to the pod for a while, almost since the beginning, will remember that we had a whole show dedicated to him around the July-August area as well, because Antoine Griezmann... Because Antoine Griezmann was set to move to Manchester United over the summer, but Atletico, because they were dealing with a transfer ban for similar reasons that Barcelona had their transfer ban a few years ago, Atletico were desperate to keep him at the club, and he even signed a new deal. That said, over the summer, his release clause was $200 million, so Atletico could navigate through the transfer ban and not have to worry about losing him that way. But since then, that number has gone down to $100 mil which is the evaluation that Barcelona find to be an acceptable number to bring him at the club. Since that happened and since the first rumors popped up more recently in the, in the last few weeks about him potentially wanting to be at the Camp No, I think it's really gotten out of hand, Frances, and there's a lot of sensational stories. Of course, and I think that people try to say stupid things in the media or sort of they've got like a little megaphone and, and it's just a competition as to who says the craziest thing or the stupidest headline for people to just pay attention but um, we're going to try and break it down a little bit here um, I think it's all about the fact that Barca need a forward you know we've got Dembele who has begun to run in practice lightly and uh, I was reading a report earlier today from his doctor saying that his prediction is that he starts touching the ball in EG joining in training um, in the mid-November so in a couple of weeks time which is which is really good so um, obviously ignoring the fact that Dembele should be coming back, but we don't know what form he's going to be in. I think Barca are clearly lacking one one striker that can make the difference. And that, that seems to be um, Griezmann at this moment in time. Obviously the release clause going from 2 to 100 million euros definitely does, does help. Now there's some reports saying that Valverde is determined to make him the focal point of the attack next season. Well, you've got a certain Lionel Andres Messi who you've moved to the very center of the team in terms of attacking, but not just that, but also uh, creation. So it is impossible that anybody's going to replace him next season unless he leaves. But let's let's forget about that for a minute. And um, yeah, I think, you know, it is important to feel that Griezmann would be an addition and a great degree of quality will be improved as a result. Obviously, many French players in the team now being signed in recent years, such as obviously Dembélé, but also Digne and Umtiti as well. So obviously, why not Griezmann being added to the mix in here? But um, I think that what he would add in terms of experience, in terms of know-how, in terms of potential, definitely um, outweighs all the reports and all the feelings against him. Yeah, I have a list. And the way I made my notes for this kind of story was the things that were possible and conceivable and made sense. And then I have a column that just says nonsense and all the things that are nonsense about these stories. And some of the things that do make sense is... Griezmann, he has at this point, I think, a right to be disgruntled and not feel comfortable at Atletico because at this time, Atletico aren't in the best run of form. And Atletico right now, and while Barcelona are leading the table, I'll talk about that in La Tabla, and they're getting all this criticism because of the way they're playing, Atletico are even a magnified version of that because Madrid, while unbeaten for six wins and five draws in La Liga, the team just isn't really getting the results, and they're getting draws that probably should be wins for a team that would hope that they could be in a top three position in La Liga. A 2-1 loss to Chelsea in the Champions League, the only blemish on their record, but I think you'd also call a 1-1 draw in the Champions League against the Azerbaijani side, Karabag FK. A 1-1 draw against a team like that, again, should be kind of seen as a blemish in a team that you probably should beat by multiple goals. Now, the nonsense, Frances, you hit on a bunch of it. 
I've heard rumors that the three French players in Dembele, Digne, and Umtiti were assigned to lure the Frenchmen to the club, and that's utter nonsense, of course. Umtiti is one of the top five to ten, yeah, top five to ten center backs in the world in Umtiti. Digne, of course, was signed as a backup to Alba, and Dembele was signed because Barcelona needed to fill the void left by Neymar, so he was signed to be on the wing and become that next important superstar for Barcelona. So that's other nonsense. Another thing that you also alluded to, Valverde preparing to make him a focal point next season. Yeah, I know Messi hasn't signed the contract yet. We'll talk about that probably in the Bolsa as well when you bring up Luis Suarez. Oops, spoiler alert. But yeah, but with, with Messi... I that's going to happen. Well, exactly. But there's other players that we won't spoil. And again, I also don't know who they are. But again, Luis Suarez I expect to see there. But the fact that Valverde would be already planning to make a player that isn't even signed by the club yet a focal point of the attack, that's again, utter nonsense managers do not do that or at least a manager like Valverde would not do that and the other thing I heard that because Valverde is playing this new 4-4-2 and it feels like Barcelona are playing more defensive that he wants players to fit that kind of formation and I think that goes back to something you had talked about a few weeks ago and why that's also utter nonsense is because Barcelona don't necessarily want to play that way it's just that's the way they're playing best at the moment and they're trying to get the best out of Messi and Luis Suarez again, in this time. So they're playing that 4-4-2. It's not really working, but they're also coming into their own. This is still an unfinished product, and I think the way that he wants to play ultimately could go back to a 4-3-3 or go back to a formation that fits the pieces when Dembele comes back. And so, I, again, I don't think that there's this foreshadowing that he's coming to the club because of Barcelona's formation or this and that. I think all that equals a bunch of nonsense. Of course, and also people that don't really know what they're talking about. Um, throwing around theories for the sake of it. Listen, I think what Valverde has done is trying to make the best out of the ingredients he's got. You know, he's got players that are at the peak of their careers. Arguably, Messi is right there. You can argue Busquets is getting there as well. Um, you've got um, Umtiti, for example. You've got Semedo that could potentially get there as well. So you've got several players that are looking particularly well. And you've got others who just are not. You know, Iniesta is not always healthy um, unfortunately and it really does pay me to say this but he isn't um, Luis Suarez is on an all-time low and there's other people such as you know De Lufeu, Denis, not even going to mention Arda Turan because you know you know how that winds me up but um, yeah there's players that as far and as hard as they try they're just not as good as good as the, the team requires them to be so obviously adding quality is necessary and Griezmann would be a great addition obviously I do get the fact that Simeone is annoyed with him because he's only scored twice and um, he keeps alluding to his contract and the fact that his salary went up in the summer well if you were that annoyed about that you could have sold him I mean he had a really good offer from Manchester United and obviously if he had been in the transfer window um, shopping window then he probably could have ended up Barcelona as well but that was just not not to happen this summer Obviously, his release clause has gone down to 100 million again, and this is Atletico's top scorer in each and every one of the last three seasons. And it is clear that Barca should be interested. And um, I think all the frustration going on at Atletico it shouldn't really matter to us because undoubtedly, the former Real Sociedad striker is not having a great time, but he's a very, very talented player. He's very gifted, and he still is, and he's con- going to continue to be. And most importantly, he's still going to get better. He's very intelligent off and on the ball. He's incredibly creative. His pace is still acceptable and, and, and it will make a difference for, for what we've got right now. Um, his timing and composition in front of goal is parallel with Europe's best. And his runs off the ball are always purposeful. He can create space for himself and other people. And he's just a very impressive player that when he gets into goal-scoring position can certainly finish. Obviously, he's not doing it this season. But we all know that Atletico's understanding of the game is very particular. So maybe he's just been there for long enough. He had his mind on a move that didn't happen. And he's just waiting for something better to come in the horizon. Whether that's Barca in January, I'm not sure. Because obviously, I don't really trust the board to be investing heavily in January, or probably ever, actually, let's just say I don't really trust the board for anything, <laughs> but um, I think it would be a really good option. 
And the last point I'll make is I think the 100 million euro is an important part of it. You and I have for months complained about Coutinho not really necessarily being worth 150 million euro when there's other talent who would be a third of the price and yet would do 80% of what Coutinho can do. I think with Griezmann, it's a similar case, but 100 million is much more realistic. And I think with the way the market was over the summer, if it remains to stay that way, that that kind of price is going to be reasonable for a player like that. But the one caveat I will say with that is, as we talked about the board, I just hope that they would do their due diligence to make sure that they get players that are of proper market valuations. Because if he's a player that's completely out of form right now, and he and he stays like this all the way throughout the year, all the way into the summer, well, Barcelona better A, try to sign him before the World Cup, before he starts banging in goals for France, and that number goes way up. And two, they better make sure that they have done their research in case Griezmann isn't a reasonable transfer option, and they should be looking at other options as well. Because for me... Also coming out this week was a rumor about Barcelona and Robert Fernandez going to Germany to see two RB Leipzig players in 21-year-old German striker Timo Werner and 19-year-old French center back Dayot Apamecano. And, and Werner right now, five goals and assists in eight Bundesliga games so far this year with Leipzig. And he's a player that his rock his value could skyrocket at the World Cup when he's if he's banging in goals for Germany. And he has a contract to 2020, the 21-year-old does, but he also reportedly has no release clause. So that's a player that, let's say you can get him for $35 million, and he's 21, so he's half-decade younger than Griezmann. And if he's starring at the World Cup at the biggest stage, he's been in the Champions League this year, and he has, seems to have a proven track record, then I think you get that player for $35 million as opposed to Griezmann for $100 million. Even in La Liga... Valencia Rodrigo, seven goals, four assists, and 11 matches. He's only 26, and you could get him for half the price of Griezmann. But again, I think Barcelona's scouts and the board have to do their due diligence and make sure that they get the best value on their transfers over the summer. That's the most important thing to me, I think. Yeah, and also for me, while I do understand that we need to sign players that you know have good potential, I've got nothing against that. I think that what we need right now and going into next summer, I know it's far away still, but you know we're talking about about the short-term but also longer-term future of the club. I think that what they need to sign is people who are going to start. You know, I think if you get Griezmann, he's a starter. Um, if, if Luis Suarez continues to struggle, then he would be a starter over Suarez. Otherwise, you have four players competing for what I believe is still going to be a 4-3-3 by the end of the season once Valverde's got the appropriate tools at his disposal. Um, any Anyone coming into midfield... It could be Coutinho, it could be any other players like, you know, Thiago has been mentioned and other players like that. I think we need to invest heavily on starters. I think in order to fill in the roles that, say, Denis Suarez or De Olufeo are having this season, I would promote Alanya, I would go for Cucurella, Palencia is now back, he could be an alternative. Obviously, Arnaiz, that we talked about in a couple of podcast um, episodes ago, at, at really long length, any of those players could do the role. I think what we need to invest heavily on is people are going to start. And going back to our original question, should Barcelona sign Griezmann for 100 million? I think for me, the answer is yes. Yes, we should. We should ignore the fact that he's not having a great season. And uh, we should put that just to lack of motivation and the fact that he needed a new challenge in the summer and he was his head was set on that. Um, I think that at 26, around Messi around hopefully and maybe an improved version of Luis Suarez, Dembélé, um, Iniesta, Rakitic, all the players that we've got at our disposal um, would be a great environment for Griezmann to improve even further. But I really do think that he would be a great signing and any signings we have so f- we make so far in the future need to be starters. Yeah, that's, a, that's the best point to be made. I, again, I have expectations, but 100 mil seems to be a proper valuation for an instant starter on any club in the Champions League, a La Liga winner. And you're absolutely right that I think 100 mil is a proper valuation if they're able to get him for that number. So let's switch over to La Tabla, where we're moving into the international break and Barcelona are still the first place side in La Liga. They're four points up on Valencia with 31 points, eight points up on Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. Next up after the international break is Leganes with 17 points in ninth place behind Real Sociedad and Real Batiste, who also sit on 17 points. I think most importantly, though, for the first team is looking at the international break. We're hoping the FIFA virus doesn't hit anybody. And there's a number of players playing in, we'll say, less than important matches around the world, particularly in Europe, though, with Silicon, Paulinho, Vermeulen, 
Semedo, Umtiti, Digne, Terstegen, Messi, Mascherano, Busquets, Iniesta, Alba, Pique, all potentially playing in friendlies. So we might see 45 minutes here or there from them and 65 minutes on other appearances. They might not start necessarily in certain matches. So just hoping that none of those players get injured. The one guy, though, and he has seemingly always been in the background. We don't necessarily talk about him before any other players. But even Rakitic, he's got the World Cup qualifying two legs against Greece with Croatia coming up now this week. So he's going to be the Barcelona player to watch over the international break. Again, everyone else is just playing friendlies, including a Germany-France one where you get Ter Stegen against Umtiti and Digne and that kind of thing. So we just hope that all those players don't get injured. Yeah, and I, I, I would agree with that, Dan. I think it's just for them not to not get injured. I'm going to say something quite politically incorrect here. The international break really bores me every single time. You know, I do realize that there's World Cup coming up in the summer and, you know, I wish our players all the best, etc. But all I want is for them to do their duties and come back uninjured. Is that re- doesn't make me a bad person, Dan. No, I, I think there's an argument to be made uh, for, for a value of international soccer. But, I, but yeah, from a club's perspective, I think very little positive is gained with the exception of, again, I think a lot of boards would say that they're really happy when their players are in the World Cup because so many times the World Cup means you can cash in on your players. I get that. I get that. But our players are normally always in the World Cup and our players are internationals. And sometimes, like say, say for example, MTT, I don't really want MTT to do very well in the World Cup until we renew his contract and his clause goes up. You know, I may be very selfish here, but I just, I cannot get, I cannot get excited, you know? Well, I would just say being in the U.S. and not being in the World Cup, I would just say I wouldn't take it for granted. I think being fans of Barcelona players mean that you get to see them all the time in all these different competitions in the international sphere. And I think our tune would be quite different, I think, if Messi weren't in the World Cup or we had something like that situation. Because for a lot of these players, I you go back to it and that while international soccer can seem to get in the way sometimes, a lot of the time, I think it's a matter of these players dream of being in the World Cup even more than they dream of winning the Champions League. And so the World Cup is the pinnacle and international soccer is the pinnacle of what these players can do. And I think I just want to try to empathize with them as well and see how big of a deal it is for them. Okay. All right. You convinced me. That's, that's fine. I didn't sound like a very convincing argument. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I know. Well, I hope I can convince you that the Barca Femini are playing really well. Should we? I'll move on to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're definitely going to convince me of that. So the Barca Femini are playing really well right now. They cruise to an easy 3-0 win over Sporting de Huelva. It's a brace by Patricia Guijaro and a goal from Macedonian Natasa Andanova, who came off the bench for the goal. Lecky Martins wasn't even needed off the bench, and Tony Dugan, of course the English striker, wasn't in the 18. So I think clearly the Femini are also working on a little squad rotation, and that's a positive thing. Getting an easy win, not having to play the FIFA World Player, Female World Player of the Year in Martins, and again, Dugan for some reason didn't have to be even be in the 18. They've got three games in a week, however, two against a Lithuanian side in the Champions League, Gintra Universitesas, and a matchup in the league with Madrid CFF, which is not the Real Madrid women's side. It's just a female team based in Madrid. In the table, they still sit tied on 22 points at Atletico Madrid, so they need to get a positive result against Madrid CFF to keep pace. Right, so moving over to Barcelona B, a 1-1 draw with Cultura Leonesa on Sunday, have moved them up one spot to 13th with three wins, seven draws, and three losses on the year. They have a date with Huesca, second in the table over the weekend, where they won't have Honduran Anthony Lozano, their center forward and their goal scorer against Leonesa because he is away with Honduras in their World Cup qualifying playoff against Australia. The cultural Leonesa game also saw the return of Inigo Ruiz de la Galera coming off the bench after being out for quite a few weeks with an injury. So Barcelona B right now still just treading water, sitting in the middle of the table, hoping they get a few more wins instead of losses, but a draw just continues to keep them in the middle of the pack. There's about six points separating 7th place and 17th place. So that just tells you how tight it is right in the middle of the Segunda division for Barcelona B right now. It really is very tight at the top as well. Um, the top six, play- six teams are only apart from one point. I think it's 23, 23, 23, 22, 22, 22. Um, you've got Oviedo trailing behind as well. 
and Barca, Barca be doing well in the middle of the table. So um, let's let's hope that that continues and that we can get um, decent wins and and most importantly, plenty of experience for our youngsters from now on. Yeah, I think that's uh, wraps up La Tabla. So let's move on to La Bolsa. All right then, let's do it. Um, La Bolsa is our Barca stock market. So shares to watch belong to Nelson Semedo. He's been frustratingly not featuring very much, has he? I mean, he started the season on a high and uh, we were all wild by his performances. He was constantly praised in our, in our podcast and throughout social media and, and the Catalan and Spanish media and international media as well. But um, then for some reason, he was replaced by Sergio Roberto, uh, which I never really understood. So now with Sergio Roberto injured, and I really do hope this is not the reason why, but it seems to be, Nelson Semedo is back to the starting lineup um, against Sevilla, which is the only game that we can talk about this week due to the international break. He delivered that performance to be really, really proud of. He was generous with his effort. He was confident enough to push forward whenever possible. And that was really possible during the early stages of the game, particularly in the first half. And, you know, let's just say it. His presence makes everyone around him better because they don't always have to be sort of pressuring themselves and thinking about defending because they know that the backs are covered. They don't have to over-worry about defensive weaknesses. They know Semedo will, because of his pace, because of his stamina, because of his determination, he will track back and, and defend them and, you know, in a way cover up for them. And um, against Sevilla, he always had the edge against his forwards. So that was a very impressive performance by Nelsinho. Trading up this week, we mentioned him briefly just a couple of minutes ago. It's Ivan Rakitic. I think maybe because that great game in international duty was coming up. Uh, That's being cynical, sorry. Uh, The Croatian international stepped up against his former team, Sevilla, like he always does, doesn't he? Uh, It really, we should be playing Sevilla every week as far as Rakitic is concerned. And he reached his best level of the season. His passing was far more accurate than it has been. And uh, it is really great to see that he was dynamic. He was physical where he needed to be. And he was determined to recover the ball whenever he didn't have it. So whenever the team was dispossessed, uh, Rakitic was there like a bulldog sort of running after it. Because he's had a lot of criticism this season. Uh, and, and I'm not going to say he has been unjustified because he hasn't. But I really think that a player that has given so much to the team for so many seasons, it's not that they deserve respect because in football, you know, memories are very short and we always just think about the last game. But I am delighted to say that um, his performance this week has been back to his best. I really am delighted. And obviously, given the injuries to Sergio Roberto, Gomez, and I know Iniesta's back, but, you know, his availability is always doubtful. Having the Croatian back to his best, it really is going to help the team in the near future. So, the the stock market's hottest shares belong to Alcácer. He delivered the best performance of the season. Um, I was really shocked when he was included in the starting 11. And, um, you know, if Valverde hadn't succeeded in his decision, a lot of people would have, you know, jumped on his back and criticized him. What are you doing? Are you going crazy? You know, you're you're not managing Bilbao anymore, etc. But then Alcácer scored the two goals, and he proved Alberto right once again. Um, both goals proved what a striker should be. You know, one of them was sort of being aware of the mistakes of his rivals and then putting away the chances whenever it was needed. Um, I really thought that he was Pedro-like at some stages, meaning that he was busy defensively, he was tracking back um, whenever it was necessary, and his work rate was very, very impressive. Now, I have seen people saying criticizing Valverde and saying, you know, oh, he was sad straight away. He should have gone for a hat-trick. It doesn't matter. You know, his job was done. The win was at that point secure. And if even if he wasn't, that's why Mascherano came on. And I really think that Alcácer, with the time that he played, which was closing on on 70 minutes, he did exactly what he needed to do. His confidence has been, has been boosted as a result. Um, obviously, he scored against Murcia as well um, earlier on last week. And um, I really do think that having Alcácer at that degree of confidence and form and, and, you know, inspiration in front of goal is definitely going to hit the manager's um, expectations. And I really do think that Barca do need it, particularly given Suarez's terrible form of late. And wouldn't that mean that I think the stock goes up for Valverde again because he's again picked a player and got it right? 
And he's been doing that with the substitutes all year long. And now he does that with a starter and putting Akathair in that place. And even if he isn't a long-term solution or he never regains full form in Barcelona, a match like this can even put a guy's market value up if they're going to try to sell him in January. So just from a purely economic sense, his stock has, you know, in theory, his stock has literally gone up in that his market value could potentially be higher than it was even a week ago for this kind of performance. But I think you named the mention of the guy whose stock continues to go down. Yeah, and I am not happy to be saying this again. Um, we've only been doing La Bolsa for three three weeks now. And um, yeah, Luis Suarez is trading down again. Uh, the, Uruguay, the Uruguayan international continues to struggle, you know, and um, I don't really know what to say. It's, it's a result of lack of fitness, maybe the ongoing injury that he's suffering from. Obviously, he hasn't truly adapted to his new role further away from the rival's goal. Obviously, Valverde keeps shifting everything for him, though. You know, he's got a 4-4-2 that he's tried. He hasn't worked in that sense. The 4-3-3, obviously, we can play to the best of our abilities without Dembele and the fact that, you know, the alternatives that Valverde has tried don't necessarily work. The 4-2-3-1, with Suarez being one of the three, didn't work either, so... It's a very difficult solution, and I think that he just needs to get fit, get better, and regain his confidence. And I think that Valverde continues to play in week in, week out. But when you've got Alcácer coming out of nowhere, scoring a double, questions understandably are being asked. Um, in terms of Suarez, you know, his work rate is unquestionable. His hustle is as good as ever. He's still as aggressive, as angry as he's always been. But his lack of effectiveness, and even worse, his confidence in himself at the moment are just, are just horrendous. Um, I think we must continue to support him because unless we do that, um, Barca are not going to be reaching the targets. You know, you need Luis Suarez at his best. We don't have Neymar anymore. Dembele is injured. And in a way, he's improving at Barca. Without Luis Suarez, we are not very likely to, to hit our, our targets. Um, and this was discussed in much more depth in the interview with Mohamed Butt, which is coming up um, in a couple of minutes. Actually, all I'll add to that is that Luis Suarez's goal drought, now 451 minutes in the league without a goal, his worst run of form since arriving from Liverpool in 2014. And the big thing for me is while our stock in him might go down, he's Messi's best friend at the club right now. And so as long as Messi's stock is high and as long as Messi's contract remains unsigned, I think Valverde and everybody involved would just hope that Luis Suarez can turn it around, and he's got the proven record that he always will, and he's only going to be 31 in January, so it's not too late for him, but it's a difficult thing that we're doing, just waiting and waiting and trying to be patient with him, and while Barcelona are getting results now, what happens when Luis Suarez is struggling, and let's say Barcelona have a bad run of form, how nasty are things going to get at the club for Luis Suarez? I think those are the big questions, and so without further ado, you mentioned it. It, while it is a, it was a sad day this past week for Squawk of Football, of course, for stats, analysis, and everything related to soccer through the years. They were a terrific organization. But now, at least for our benefit, Mohamed Butt had the time and the opportunity to speak with us. And we had the time and opportunity to speak with him. Particularly you did, Frances. And we'll hear that interview now. We are delighted to be joined by Mohamed Butt uh, from... Pretty much, I'm going to say Squawker, but obviously um, Squawker hasn't necessarily um, done very well in the last week. I'm sure you'll tell us all about it. Um, but Mohamed, we are delighted that you're joining us. I've been following your work for many, many years. How are you today? I'm feeling really good, Francesca. Uh, how are you, my friend? I'm great. I'm great. I'm, I'm really delighted that you're with us. Um, I really admire your passion for Barca, but obviously it doesn't look like you were born in the Catalan country. No, so, I was not, no. So uh, can you tell us where your passion comes from, please? It, it's actually quite superficial, really. It makes me sound kind of silly. But in 1995, 96-ish, around that time, uh, obviously I was aware of Barcelona before then. Uh, you know, I uh, watched them with the Dream Team play great football. Uh, you know, what, uh, watched that whole, the Romario was just amazing in 93, 94. Uh, you know, the, um, I watched them play United in the 91 Cup Winners Cup final. You know, I've been a fan, been aware of them for a while. But when I really became a fan... <laughs> was, uh, this is so super. Basically, when they started wearing, do you remember the the, the Kappa kits they of wore in course. the middle of the 90s? Of course. I just, I just thought that's the coolest kit I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. I loved it. I, yeah, and, I, and that was it. It was just literally that kit. And then also they had, they already had Guardiola, who I really liked because 
he's not I mean he's not Pakistani but he kind of looked more like people that I was related to than any other footballer and so I kind of really liked him anyway and then they had Ronaldo and I was like okay wow. yeah, this, this guy is like magic to watch these kits are amazing Guardiola's cool yeah go on why not That's... they just started there and then they got Cliver and then they got Rivaldo and it's just like there, there's no there's, there was no point where you're like yeah this is boring let's get off this train you know that's the best reason I've ever heard. I think you've, you've beaten the, the world record for the most irrelevant yet long-lasting relationship right there. Well, um, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's the way it is, isn't it? It's just utter nonsense. Yeah, oh, the kids were nice. I mean, <laughs> of course, of course. Right. So um, obviously you've been watching Barca since, um, which is an yeah. honor because obviously I was born there. And to me, anyone yeah. that follows the club for even outside, you know, our borders, it really huge respect yeah. to you and the millions of people and obviously the thousands of listeners we've got listening to this today. Um, so you've obviously been looking very closely at this season. What are your thoughts on Valverde so far? How's he doing? I think Valverde is doing incredible, actually. I mean, this it's not reflected in the, in the performances, to, sort of. I think I mean, it's, it's really sort of understated, and I think it's, people aren't going to give him credit because he's, he's not a very cool person, is he? Let's be honest. Like, like you know... Pep came along and it was like, it's Pep, he's so awesome. And Lucho, you know, wasn't as cool as Pep, but he had those really nice jackets and he just had a lot of passion. He was a great footballer, of course, great player. But, you know, Valverde is just, he was, he's a very good coach and he's a very solid coach, but he didn't play anywhere famous before, didn't really coach anywhere famous. Um, so people aren't going to give him credit, but he's done an incredible job. Because when you think, think about it, basically, Barca have been playing this entire season with the handbrake on. Like, Luis Suarez has been utter i know we'll get to him later but he's been utter rubbish he's been garbage and that's your striker that's your goal scorer and he's been awful and yet barca are what they've drawn they've drawn two games all season yeah you know? they're, 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 they're winning everything else top of the top of the league top of la liga top of their uh, champions league group they're having an amazing start to the season with a new coach they've lost their second best player in the summer iniesta their, their fourth best player is another year older you know um and yet, they're doing brilliantly. Valverde's done excellently. I think he's transitioned the side into a 4... Well, it looks like 4-4-2 right now, but clearly the plan is to play 4-2-3-1. You just have to get the personnel... You know, you have to get Dembele in there. You need you need the Coutinho. You can see now why he wanted Coutinho. The, the whole point of playing Barca, playing 4-2-3, is, is, is the ideal. But I think Valverde's 4-2-3-1 in intention would be a 4-3-3. You look at it now, even now. He has Iniesta playing left wing. Iniesta always comes centrally. And then you look on the right wing, he always has someone, he wants someone like Delefeu or where obviously Dembele will play and that will be more of a wing role and then Messi is free in behind. It's more of, it's kind of an asymmetric 4-3-3, a lot like it was last season under under Lucho. It's just last season it was Messi, it, the default formation was 4-3, whereas now it's very much a 4-4-2 and it looks that way. And so, But I think what is done actually, the team is defending more. The team is defending better. It's it, more coherent positionally, even though Piquet had a rocky start to the season. Uh, the fullbacks are getting involved more. They look look happier. Uh, midfield is circulating the ball a lot better. Iniesta is a lot looking. He's still wait. He's still finished, right? He still passes us, but he's looking a lot better. Uh, Messi is more involved now centrally, not having to be exposed on the wing defensively. Uh, it's a more you know symmetrical defensive formation. It's very important. The board has been, it's just the way it, Barca look more like Barca, you know? We, like, re we really do, we really do. I think uh, you hit the nail in the head there when you mentioned that Dembele being absent from the beginning is a factor to be played because obviously all throughout the summer we were wondering and hoping that the board would actually invest heavily and bring someone. Uh, yeah. You did mention Coutinho there as well. I don't think he was the best signing given the money that was being asked and Dembele was the obvious choice given a mass departure, but obviously. He hasn't played since. And um, I think that all the tweaking and experimenting that Valverde has done in terms of formation, which you explain, it has to do with that. The fact that he's missing that quality player up front because uh, moving all of it here, Luis Suarez, we can't really hold him for much longer in the team, can we? I, you know, I mean, honestly, if he, if Barca hadn't given him the five-year contract just last year, I think he would have been dropped by now. Um, Barca need him to come good again because they've invested too much money in him with that contract, which I thought was ridiculous at the time. Obviously, he deserved a huge pay rise, but the length of the deal, I thought, was just absolutely absurd for a player. You know, he's a big body striker. He's a big, burly guy. He was never going to age like Zlatan Ibrahimovic did. It was never going to happen. He's not going to play that well when he was 40, 34, 35, 36. That's not going to happen with him. He was always going to age very badly. He's a big body striker who, who is a physical striker, who plays with a physical style. And now you can see 
the mind is there like you know and uh you know his ideas are all still sharp but his body is nowhere near able to follow through on what his mind wants him to do and it's really it's causing a problem and you know, the annoying thing is because Barca now invested so much money in him there's no way Barca are going to be able to sell him like he's going to stay now you can't sell him no one's going to take on that contract he's on no. and more to the point now he's basically undroppable you can't have that much money in wages going to someone sitting on your bench and I, you know, there's obviously that the injury he had to his knee, that you know that he had um, the cyst that he that he declined a surgery on uh, over the international break, the first one in August. Yeah. That's obviously playing a part, but you know, and that, the thing is, look how much one injury has taken him to get, how long it's taken to get over one injury. You know, that's one injury. Like it's going to get worse as it goes on. Yeah, and even Alcácer has been better than him lately. I mean, I over, mean the, over the weekend he scored a double, didn't he? So yeah. uh, people are starting to call for for his head in a way. Uh, do you spend him to bounce back up? Do you think that he I, will bounce back up soon enough? It will be it will be difficult. It will be difficult. I think because I think once the injury heals, he will improve. I think also playing centrally will help him because obviously at the start of the season, Valverde was playing four two three false nine and four two three false nine and uh, but Suarez was playing left wing, which obviously he can't play left wing, so that didn't help. But now he's back playing number nine. That will help. Missing minutes at number nine will help. Dembele's return will be a huge help. Because that's, that's it, I think we have to say this. I know he's mess, missing some big chances, but the consistent delivery from wide positions isn't there for him. That's what Dembele will provide. So, you know, Dembele's return will help. I think he'll come good. I don't think he'll be brilliant. I think the prob- that's the problem Barca are going to have because, you know, I, I tweeted this the other day. Bar- Valverde is a good coach. Valverde's system is solid. But unless Suarez starts scoring, Barca are going to struggle. They won't, we're, they're going to struggle to win things. Of course. And all we need is, is the return of Dembele and hopefully everything does click back together. Um, I, well, it, well yeah, look, I think it's not just Dembele. I think Dembele will help, but there's a clear talent deficiency in two key areas. Like Barca wants to play four, four, two, three, one, right? And uh, for that to work, uh, and especially in the way Barca want to play, you need talent wide of Messi, right? So you know you've got Dembele coming back and Delafeu as a backup. You know Delafeu is not an ideal backup, but you know what? You can just about scrape by with that. You know that that that, that Dembele Def Delafeu is okay when Dembele is fit again. You know that should work. But on the left. You've got a 34, 33-year-old Iniesta. 33, and, 33. And look, he's one of the greatest midfielders of all time to have ever played the game. But father time comes for everyone. And it came for Iniesta last season. And I know he looks better now because the system is more to his suiting now than it was under Luis Enrique. But even then, he's clearly he's clearly not influencing games as he should. He was great against Sevilla because he's always kind of great against Sevilla, but also, you know, he had he had a, he had the week's rest, two weeks just because of the injury. He didn't play. He was fully rested. He had to focus on just that game, you know, and he can still do it in big games, you know? Yeah, I think but, the overall quality of the squad is, is lagging, as you're saying. I think, yeah, it, as, as I was saying, Dembele's return will boost it up, but obviously oh, there are different, different points that need to be considered in order to move forward. I mean, the now, Coutinho on. is the one. Coutinho is the one, I think. Coutinho... Um, you know, you look at uh, um, Guedes at Valencia and how well he's playing, mm-hmm. and you're sort of like, that's the kind of talent. I mean, past PSG younger has sent to Barcelona, but that's the kind of talent Barcelona need to have. That that Coutinho, you know, is one. Obviously, his price was, as you say, oh my goodness, yes, incredibly, would, incredibly inflated. Would you pay it? Would you pay 200, <laughs> 200 million euros for him? Coutinho, no, no. It, it, you know, even in that absurd market, no. Because the thing is, that market will will. It won't go back to fully normal, but it will it will come down from that. Like Barca, Coutinho will not they will not get 100, 150 million for Coutinho this summer. Prices will come back down to normality a little bit. I would have paid 150 million for him. Honestly, I would. I think that would still be way too much money, even in that market. But Barca desperately needed him, and I mean, especially knowing now that what Valverde's plan was, you know, of playing four two three one, I absolutely would have paid because Coutinho and Dembele in that team is transformative. It would be. Uh, it would have been this season as well. Because because then you can use Iniesta in a reduced role. Then you rest him for two weeks. You play him for one. You don't play him for Champions League and La Liga. You play him just one game a week. You give him two weeks rest before playing. Let's say playing Sevilla, playing Real Madrid, playing uh you know at, at the Calderon, playing at the uh, Mestalla, and suddenly he's a whole different player. You know, mm-hmm. or or you can just bring him off the bench. This is why I always thought Xavi should have done, by the way, instead of moving to Qatar, is stay at Barcelona and literally every game come off the bench for the last half an hour and just run the game. You know, yep. like um, you know, you know, in baseball uh, where they have a closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I've always said just use Xavi, and now I would say use Iniesta like that on the bench, off the bench for the last thirty minutes to either help Barca create a, create a goal and win a match, or to just see out a victory. Just add that that control and that sense of. 
that you know that effortless sort of experience they have, that authority they have, you know. That probably is what the boss trying to do with his lifetime contract that he signed recently, but I, we'll have to wait and see. I would love it if that happened because I think Iniesta still has that authority over teams. He still has that influence over games, but physically he can't compete. But if he knows he just has to play 30 minutes every game, he can channel his energy into just that one window and really go for it. I think it'll work. Exactly. So on that note then, uh, what do you think about Messi's contract? Because the board do say, and they said it to the Asamblea Compromisaria earlier in the month, that they have renewed his contract, but obviously he hasn't gone to get the photo with it. And rumour has it, he hasn't really signed it. It was his dad who did it. So uh, what's your position on all that? I think he probably hasn't signed it. I think he's absolutely. I think he's probably verbally given his agreement that he'll sign it. I think his dad's probably signed certain things, but I'm almost certain Messi hasn't put pen to paper, and I'm almost certain the reason he hasn't done that is because he wanted to put pressure on the board to do something. I think he'll do it again in January. I, you know, honestly, I think he could run it down to the wire in the at the end of the season because you know the Barca do need things things done, and this board. I mean, as I'm sure you'll be sad to admit this board is terrible mm-hmm. um i can't believe the vote of sen- no censure pl- uh didn't work i thought it i you know, fell at the first hurdle i was very surprised um i thought for sure it would at least get to the second hurdle but it didn't but i can honestly think see the idea that messi will just you know not sign his contract officially just to pressure the board into doing something and only sign it right at the end because frankly he he, he does love barcelona i would be very surprised if he did leave but I think he'll run it to the wire. I don't think it'll be. A, he'll, I don't think he'll do it until right at the end. I don't believe the board either. I, I believe that he hasn't signed anything. Like I think maybe his dad has signed stuff and that he's agreed verbally to do it, but I don't think he's signed anything. That's precisely my thought as well. Uh, we've been talking about it in the podcast in previous episodes. Um, we have got very little trust in the board, and that is generalized in Catalonia. However, the people that um, can push the Museo da Sansura, so the vote of no confidence yeah. forward are roughly in their 40s, 50s, 60s and the sort of long-term Catalan um, yeah. sources. So obviously what you read on Twitter is not necessarily what goes on in the local city, put it that way. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it, Izzy? Because when, I mean, and you know, you don't want to begrudge people this, but you know, obviously because it's democracy and everyone has their right to vote. But when, 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 you, when people get older, they tend to become more conservative and more concerned with local issues. And I mean, Sandra Rossell basically ran on a platform of nationalism when he ran for president in 2010, he was like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to do this, do that, put Catalans first. Cesc Fabregas was his big promise signing, uh, you know, the Catalan coming home. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, and then as soon as he became president, he limited, uh, you know, you can only become a new member if you were Catalan. You know, he, he, it was a very clever nationalist kind of play because it makes it very easy to then gain re-election by constantly just playing to this sort of borderline xenophobic view of the outside world. Um, and it's a shame. It's a shame because Barcelona, as is as a club, is obviously very Catalan, but also is has never been shy of welcoming others. You know, immigrants. I mean, founded by by a Swiss guy, for God's sake. You know, so yep. it's it's never been shy of, of multiculturalism and and that uh, in that sort of not in the sense of obviously it puts Catalan culture first, but you know, in the sense of it welcomes everyone. It's never been a uh, isolationist club, you know. No, no, it, I, it, I totally agree. I think it's it's within an anthem as well. It's Tansavaldon Banin, which means it doesn't matter where we come from. I think that yeah. the board and and the country, in a way, have to move forward towards that acceptance. Uh, because if um, you know people from the outside are not feeling it, like like we're trying to portray it, then obviously yeah. that is a problem. So uh, yeah. moving moving forward a bit here. Yeah, yeah. Um, who's your favorite Barca player? I'm assuming Messi's your favorite, so <laughs> actually, I would say Leon Messi. You know what? I mean, it's blasphemous to say, but honestly, Messi is definitely the best player in the world, best player probably of all time, frankly. But it's not even not it's not 100 that he's my favorite player. It's 99 my favorite okay. player. But Busquets, I love Busquets. Right, we've Busquets. had that answer before. Um, Sarah Salapo a couple of weeks back said yeah. the same. So, what is, what's your thought then? Busquets is just. Oh, you know, I don't want to go through that whole Del Bosque quote, but it is so true. Busquets is just the epitome of of the uh, of Barca. He just, you know, he's got, he's so good at, he's the best midfielder in the world. I think the only one that comes close is Modric. And I think De Bruyne will at the end of the season. But apart from those two, no one's even close to Busquets. The influence he exerts over games is just unreal. Since he first came into the team as a 20-year-old, I mean, this this is when I, when he was 20, I was saying, because I remember arguing on the internet with friends. I mean, this is, God, how, how long ago was this now? 10 years now, people were... <laughs> You know, people were saying to me, they were, they were saying, oh, Yaya Toure is a better player. And I would say, of course, Yaya Toure is obviously a better player. He can do so much more with the ball in attack. He's just an incredible footballer. But 
um, technically, physically, uh, you know, mentally even, you could argue because he's such a winner. But Busquets is perfect for Barca style, for Pep style. Busquets knows how to press like no other defensive midfielder in the world. His anticipation is off the scale. Uh, he cuts off counterattacks before they even exist. Yeah, he's not going to run down into a channel and tackle someone like Mascherano or Yaya Toure or whatever, but that doesn't matter. He does something that no other midfielder can do. And ever since he debuted, when, when he plays, Barca are better. When, you know, when he plays, Barca look different. When, he, when he's not there, Barca look worse. Yeah. You can tell when... He, and perhaps no one besides Messi has that kind of influence over Barca. Literally, when he's not there, you can tell. And that's only the case with Messi. Uh, really, to the extent that it is with him. Maybe it was with PK, but now Barca signed him Titi, so he's not that important either. But, well, he's important, but you know what I mean. The way he moves the ball, constantly picking the right pass. And now, because, of course, Barca are playing 4-2-3-1, and he's not strictly the only holding midfielder, he's often playing alongside uh, the great and wonderful Paulinho. He's coming forward a lot more now. He's coming forward a lot more into spaces a lot more. He's making. He's, you see him a lot more in the final third. He's becoming a really... You know, just a supremely dominant midfielder, cutting the ball out, playing those final third passes. He'll never get many assists, but he's going to be like he's a pre-assist king. Like he makes the pass before the pass. You know, exactly. He's a playmaker. He's the one that um, basically makes the whole Barca engine tick, and um, mm. he's the yeah. heart of the team. You know, when Messi is in attack, Busquets is in transitions. That is attacking yeah. and defensive transitions. He really is incredible. So, um, okay, so we've got Messi. That you mentioned yeah, yeah. briefly, but obviously yeah. best in the world, best ever. I mean, yeah. What more can you say about Messi? Like it's just everything's just, been said, hasn't it? He, he invents new ways to astound you every week. Like uh, against um, Sevilla at the weekend, he didn't. You know you, how good was he? It like was ridiculous. Like in mid, even before the goal, you know, just this, in midfield, just constantly manipulating the ball. He didn't score a goal. Didn't even get an assist. But yet his fingerprints are all over the goals. The way he manipulates space, the way he would dribble past players, just incredible. And if Suarez had the shooting boots on, he would have had like three assists. Yep, you know? totally off the scale, Messi. So uh, do you think we've got anyone in the Barca squad right now that for you is a hero and goes unsung most of the time? Well, I mean, obviously, the, the, the Busquets is one of the ones because he does go unsung. I mean, Barca fans don't, won't shut up about him, but other fans don't seem to appreciate him a lot. And there's a lot, but that's because there's a lot of love for the easy, it's easy to analyze the rough and tumble, rough and tackling, tackle merchant midfielders like Casemiro, like Kante. You know, it's easy to understand how they're, when they're playing well, because you just watch them run around and tackle people. Obviously, Busquets is an easy answer, so I'm going to say to Stegen. Right. Because... No one talks... Obviously, look, De Gea and uh, Neuer, when he's fit, are the best goalkeepers in the world. Like, there's no one really that close. But that next tier of players, no one mentions Testegen with Courtois, with Buffon, with Oblak, with, uh, you know, anyone. And he's as good as any of those. He's really, really good. This season, he's been crucial to Barca's defensive success. He's making key interceptions. He saves key interceptions uh, as as much as anyone... He's responsible for Barca's, Barca's performances so far this season. Um, you know, he's a former, remember the Clasico last season? Of uh, he made 12 saves more than anyone else has in La Liga. I mean, that was an incredible performance. He's really good at one-on-ones. I don't know if he's been like on the phone or Skyping with Victor Valdez, but he seems to have <laughs> that Valdez. You know what I mean? Remember Valdez? Like one of, of course. Yeah, one yeah. of the things he could, he could do better than anyone was kill someone one-on-one. Like he okay, he made mistakes, crosses. He wasn't so strong sometimes, diving always. But one on ones, Victor Valdez was a machine, as good as anyone in the world. And Sustegan appears to develop that a little bit. Like he comes out one even in the six one, there were a couple of like Cavani had that chance after uh, to make it three two, and um, and Di Maria, and he just comes out. And he's like, come on then, come on then. And he's yeah, he's yeah. Good. The only the only one on, the only player who comes close to him to being underrated in terms of Barca is Stegen and then Titi who no yeah. one's recognizing as the best one of the best he's literally one of the best defenders in the world right now and I think he's going to get he'll get his credit when he does it in the Champions League against like an English club or something and then people will be like oh my god this guy's amazing yeah where, where has he been hiding isn't it all of the season well, he's actually been yeah. excelling for us um, every single week 25 million euros, mate. That's one of the greatest signings. Yeah, like, but with, with a 60 million euros release clause right now, that no, yeah. no, no one seems to be talking about, and I'm very happy that no one is because. They better, they better give him a new deal. Oh, no, they have to give it like, like yesterday. They're missing yeah. out, really. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and, and with Ter Stegen, I think that because he's grown up in terms of maturity, Claudio Bravo left to, to England, obviously, and yeah. from that moment, he knows he's the number one. He's becoming very yeah. confident. He knows his environment. He knows his, team, his teammates, and he really is exceptional. So, yeah. um, and, 
And he seems like a really nice person as well. If you check his social media, like mm. I mean, he li- he likes pineapple pineapple on pizza, but nobody's perfect. But <laughs> <laughs> I just I think he just like a really nice guy. And it's it's like you're like, how nice are you, man? You're like really nice. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's one of the friends that you like to have, but obviously he's way too cool for us, and he does his hair <laughs> in a very special way, which I would never be able to do. Um, <laughs> so, uh, final question here, then: What do yeah. we need to do? as a club to improve yeah. a little bit and get the treble this season because that's our target so what shall we do you need to sign someone to play left wing in, in January that's basically what it is um, is uh, that not Dembele uh, no no Dembele will play right wing you need someone to play left wing as well you need a Coutinho type it's not going to be Coutinho because Liverpool aren't going to sell him in January no matter what the newspapers say that's just not going to happen they're not stupid they need because that's really what Barca's problem is right now it's a, it's a talent deficiency um, so Barca need to sign in January. They need to sign either need to sign a striker to replace Luis Suarez or a left winger to replace wow. Coutinho, uh, to be in place of Coutinho. I would, so, I would say maybe I would say maybe a striker because then you can get Coutinho in the summer. But yeah, that's what Barca need because it's just if you look at what Valverde's done when he set out his team tactically, they're very sound. But it is a, there's a definite lack of talent that is holding the team back. If Suarez had played well, Barca would have won yesterday by four nil, five nil. No, no, undoubtedly. Four, 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 five, one, and you can say that of so many games this season. Like, okay, I know he got the he got the equalizing at Atleti, and okay, you know, badly who for him, but wow, yeah, you know, so, it, so you will bench Suarez already. No, not now, not now. I'll give him till January, but but yeah, soon enough. to do in January. No, that's what I'm saying. If Bas in January, if Suarez is playing really well, get a left winger. If Suarez is if Suarez isn't playing well, sign a striker. Barca need one of those two positions to start producing quality football by by the new year. That's and really if, if Suarez isn't doing it, you've got to sign someone because that's Barca's problem right now is talent deficiency. You need to address that talent deficiency in the market. Um, or, you know, you can't do it through La Masia because, you know, Jordi and Bula left and uh, there is no really hot shot. I mean, Abel, it's too soon for Abel Ruiz, really. But, it is, yeah. um, you know, so Barca need to address that talent deficiency in the market. I don't know who you get. Um, you have to look at who's playing well at that, at that point in the season, but Barca need to sign either a striker or a left winger in January. Wow. That's my that's my vo- my view. Very telling, very telling. So, Mohammed, it's been an absolute yeah. pleasure to have you on the show. It's we been really, a pleasure to be on, my friend. We really, really appreciate it, and um, I really want to send our listeners your way because yeah. your analysis is always spot on and obviously very passionate as well. So, where can our listeners follow your work online? Well, I'm on Twitter, obviously, at Mohamed Butt. That's M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D-B-U-T-T. And uh, Mohamed Butt on Facebook as well. So the same same address for both places. So come hit me up. Well, thanks again so much, Mohamed Butt, for that interview. It's time for La Ronda. Let's get going. Ishmael says, how much truth is in Mbappe to Barca and Tehran to Monaco story? Apparently, there was a swap between the two, Barcelona and Tehran, to go the other way from Mbappe over the summer on transfer deadline day. This is reported by L'Equipe 21. I say nonsense, Frances. Yep, I say nonsense too. Um, unless we've got a crystal ball, we're never going to find out what truly happened. I think... Mbappé being swapped for Arda Turan, it's, it's science fiction, really. And um, we're never going to be proven wrong because that's never going to happen. Arsacio, I'm thinking about visiting Barcelona in the spring and want to watch a Barcelona match. I don't have much money, but which seats are good? Every seat is good. Um, obviously, anything from segunda to tercera graderia, that's second to third tier of the stands, um, is going to give you a panoramic view, um, if that's what you want. But I think tribuna... Uh, T-I-B-U-N-A are the most expensive but also the best seats and uh, if you're tribuna in the center sort of laterales on the side you're going to see a lot of the game but the ones in the corners are a little bit cheaper The Godfather asks us a question we couldn't refuse Don't you think the 4-4-2 is limiting Messi from scoring freely as he did early on in the season? No, I think that um, Messi can score even from (laughs) <laughs> when, when he's watching The Godfather on TV, when he's making popcorn, uh, he can score from any position in any formation that, that he's included into. Um, I think that what the 4-4-2 does is try to bring Luis Suarez closer to goal. And if he was in a decent, better frame of mind in terms of confidence and also physically, then the results would be different. But no, so I think Messi can score anytime in any formation. We have one from one of our best Patreons in Blessed Guebo, and he asked a bunch, but I'll just give the first one. 
If you had a choice, Frances, Griezmann or Coutinho in January? That's a difficult question. I think that Griezmann would, should give us the goals we don't necessarily have now, but Coutinho would give us consistency in midfield so that when Iniesta is no longer with us in terms of fitness and in terms of effectiveness, he could take the button. Um, I would take both, but if I had to choose one for this summer, uh, for this winter, sorry, it would be Griezmann, but then having Coutinho next summer only if the sort of money being negotiated makes sense. And I would say over $100 million for either of them doesn't make sense. Yeah, a little bit of a cop-out answer, and I agree with your cop-out answer, that January for Griezmann makes the most sense, Coutinho in the summer makes the most sense, depending on particularly what's happened throughout the season in terms of players and form, and Luis Suarez is a big part of that puzzle as well. So that'll wrap it up for another round of our favorite part of the show in La Ronda, though Mohamed Butt with La Entrevista today in the interview also gave this La Ronda a little bit of a run for the money, but Frances, that'll wrap it up for another show and another edition of the Barcelona Podcast. Anything else before we go? No, thank you to everyone that supports the show via Patreon. Um, you make it possible, and without you, we couldn't even afford the hosting. So <laughs> it's really good that you do that. And also, thank you to everyone that submitted questions. Uh, we do try our best to get through all or most of them, and uh, it really does make a difference. It makes the show yours, which is what we want to do. So uh, thank you for being there and all your support. Please tell all your Barca Kule friends about our podcast because that's, um, that will make everything better. Thank you. So that is another episode of the Barcelona Podcast. We the hottest breaking stories on the camp. No, until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Or it's the Barca. Barca.